0: Welcome to this special series of Real Estate Fight Club. This is a series called What Would You Do?, where we talk about professional standards, committee cases, and code of ethics violations. Here with me today is Rachel Real from Rachel Real Estate in Chicago. Rachel, how are we getting in trouble today?
1: Oh, Jen, let me count the ways. (laughs) How are you today? I'm super, (laughs) super, super. So this one's kind of a fun one, and I I, I, I say fun loosely, just because there's a whole lot of different moving parts to this one. Um, but we're going to talk about violations, huh? Right, lots of violations. So we're going to talk about Article Ten, and which is about discriminating against any of the protected classes, and how that can manifest itself in your real estate practice. And I will start by saying that most fair housing violations, um, let me pull this stat here, most fair housing violations, there are uh, concerning a denial of reasonable accommodations and disability access comprise almost 60% of all complaints. And those involving requests for reasonable accommodations for assistance animals are significantly increasing. So yeah, of all of the fair housing hard. complaints that you get, yeah, of all the complaints that, F, that, that, that the HUD gets, you know, about... Uh, fair housing violations, 60% of them are around handicap and reasonable accommodations, and those are
0: increasing by the minute. But the reasonable accommodations is at the tenant's expense, correct?
1: Well, it depends. <laughs> the favorite Little word girl.
0: today. <laughs> we might have to fight about this. All right. right. So, there's, so right. you
1: can have a reasonable accommodation that involves handrails, uh, grab bars in a bathroom, those kind of things. And a tenant or uh, landlord has to make the reasonable accommodation and the tenant generally is responsible for paying that. However, there are instances where a landlord has to pay part of, can have to pay part of that too, as long as it's not undue financial burden to them. But there are some reasonable accommodations that involve no money at all. And that's kind of what we're going to talk about okay. today. So Article 10 says, and let's hope we're all freaking familiar with this one, because I feel like I'm going to need to beat people over the head if they're not. Uh-oh. So Realtors shall not deny equal professional services to any person for reasons of race, color, religion, sex, handicap, familial status, national origin, sexual orientation, or gender identity.
0: Right. Realtors
1: shall not be parties to any plan or agreement to discriminate against a person or persons on the basis of race, color, religion, sex, handicap, familial status, national origin, sexual orientation, or gender identity. Okay. So you, you cannot as a Realtor... Deny those services, nor can you be a part of any plan or agreement to discriminate against someone of a protected class. Okay. Realtors in their real estate employment practices shall not discriminate against any person on all those bases, also. Okay. So can't do it, can't be a part of it. Okay. Seems pretty darn straightforward.
0: Yeah. And I don't, right. Yes. It does seem very <laughs> straightforward. Like, duh. Very straightforward. Okay.
1: Right. Hello. Okay. So this case, not one of our code interpretations, but a scenario that happened relatively recently that I'm aware of. Realtor A, a listing broker representing landlord G, listed a property for lease and received three applications from prospective tenants. Realtor A marked each incoming application with the date and time it was received, then forwarded them on to the landlord for review. While the first prospective tenant's application met the landlord's credit and income requirements as reflected in the property listing, the prospective tenant advised they had an emotional support animal. The second prospective applicant met the requirements, as did the third. So you have three applicants that meet the requirements okay. with credit and income. Okay. And the first one in the door
0: has an emotional support animal. It, and this landlord doesn't allow animals, this is I feel like where we're going.
1: Well, we're, we're getting there. Realtor mm-hmm. A advised landlord G that despite the property listing stating no pets, Landlord G could not consider the first applicant's emotional support animal as a pet, and that the landlord G could not discriminate against an otherwise qualified applicant on the basis of handicap. Landlord G, having two additional applicants who met the criteria, advised Realtor A that he, quote, really wanted to rent the place to applicant two or three, as neither of them had pets, and asked Realtor A, how do we make that happen? Okay. Hey realtor a advised landlord g again that landlord g signed a brokerage agreement that they would not discriminate against protected classes including handicap in the course of leasing their property and that realtor a would not participate in any attempt to discriminate what would you do oh my god oh my god <laughs> right so <sighs> let's let's preface this by saying best practices when you're doing property management and I want I, I want to go to the extent of saying property management, but when you're screening tenants, yeah, is is you you put your criteria out there, your credit your income requirements so that it's very cut and dry. It leave it, it puts the landlord in a position where there's they're less likely to violate fair housing. right. So this landlord but in set this the case, credit in, everybody in income requirements right. But that's why they're time stamped on the date they come in. So that in, in, but is the in landlord- best practices,
0: obligated to take the first one first.
1: Well, that's best practices because then it puts you in a position where you are not discriminating. So that, say that's not best, say that's not best practice, right? This landlord's got three applications and then he's going to pick the one he likes the best. But how, he's you got five can't tell
0: which one you're going to like. Because well, if, if the, the landlord looks at
1: all of them, well, in this particular situation, you've got three well-qualified people. And if if the landlord automatically says, well, this one I don't want because they have an emotional support animal, they've just violated fair housing.
0: I would go back and discriminated against a look a a prospective tenant based on handicap. Okay, but you can go back, you can discriminate based on money. So I'd be that's where I would go if I was a landlord. I'd be like, look, we have three qualified applicants, see if somebody's willing to pay, you know, 25 or 50 bucks more.
1: You put yourself in a you put yourself in a very very gray area there no you so, don't you do because if you if you go back to if you go back to all of them you have to give that to everyone you can't yes. just say everyone one person all, the, all three part. so now okay so now let me let me throw this back at you then so the the applicant with the emotional support animal says I'll pay a hundred dollars more than everybody
0: else great take them but I don't want a pet I know <sighs> <laughs> I mean, so you, you would ask for the papers to see, because the thing is, is like a lot of people don't really have papers. They say they're emotional support animal, but they're not really right. So you ask for the right. papers and like, I don't know if there's, if there's different levels of like emotional support animals or not. And ma- there's no. not, because it used to be there's like up one. until like last year, or some really recently, it was like $200 online to call your crazy dog, your crazy well, pet. Well, that's a scam.
1: And that's, those are scams Well, because that paperwork that you get from those are, is useless.
0: So that's what I'm saying ask for the paperwork.
1: Right. And well, even if if somebody gave you a, so in this particular situation, the prospective tenant with the emotional support animal provided a letter from a professional that was located out of state that wrote a letter based on a one-time brief consultation with the, with the prospective tenant. Is that legal? And that in itself, well, it, it, she can do it all she wants and charge money for it. This provider can, however, that doesn't rise to the level of therapeutic relationship as it as it applies yeah, to this particular. Yeah, that's what scenario. I'm saying.
0: That's why you're okay. Let's take a pause. So, here. We need yes. a okay. I need to collect. Need to break my yeah, <laughs> collect your thoughts, Jen. Let's... I want to see how you get
1: around this one. <laughs>
0: <laughs> let me tell you about two of our partners um so our first partner we all need leads everybody needs leads right so there's two great ways that we've been generating leads the first one is pipeline pro tools and so they have they account for about 10% of our closed business this year um so if you're a person that's looking for more leads go to pipelineprotoolscom Club, and they will do a free demonstration for you on how you can get more leads and then, See if it works for you. The other way is just using your social media. So Monica created a free product called Ghost Poster. That's G-H-O-S-T-P-O-S-T-R.com, where every day, Monday through Friday, she will send you something to post. And all you have to do is copy and paste it and let the leads flow in. Boom, boom, baby. doesn't love copy and paste? I know, it's great. Okay. I love it. (laughs) So if if I'm the landlord, I'm going to request... In the first, the first one, I have three things, three people that come in, and they, whatever they, they all qualify. But the emotional support one came in first. I generally look at the first one first, but in this case, right, and that's
1: that's your best practice to 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 put yourself in a position where you're the least likely to violate any kind of fair housing code of ethics, anything like that, because you're giving everyone a legit review, and the first person who comes in should right. be the applicant you look at and if they meet those criteria on paper and they're willing to they qualify for credit for income and they're a good applicant then that's your tenant. There's no reason to pass over one to go to another because now you get doesn't into subjective choosing. And now you're like, well, I like this guy better because he doesn't have kids,
0: whatever it might whatever. be. Whatever. It doesn't you can't say that, it doesn't, right? You you don't want to no. violate but if all three no. of the applicants came in at the same time, per se, right? And there's nothing well, unless they're timestamped the same same time on my email. They're not coming in at the same time, right? I, it's unlikely that that's yeah. happening. It's
1: very unlikely. But right.
0: if I don't want pets and there's an emotional support animal, like they're not considered like a pet in the same way, right? But right. I would I would ask for the documentation, and I would I'd be right. looking for a legitimate documentation. And if it's not legitimate, Absolutely. then you move to the next.
1: Well, right. And that's, that's where this kind of went a little off the rails because the, the documentation that was supplied was not adequate documentation. Then it's not an emotional support animal. Right. Well, so then, then the question becomes in, in talking with an attorney, it's, it's go back to them and say, you have X amount of time and make it a reasonable amount of time. So this was a Saturday afternoon. So you can't really say you have 24 hours because who's getting a hold of a of a health professional on a Saturday Why do you have to, to do that?
0: They they lied.
1: Well, they didn't lie. They just didn't know what they were doing. Then, so it's, then you gotta go then back and it's not to, even
0: real. I don't think you have to give them time.
1: And that's what that's what I my argument was that also. My, just just threw an I didn't mean to do that.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: so my crazy. argument was the same. Right. It's getting crazy. I'm throwing earrings at you through my computer. Um, <laughs> that was my argument. If you're not prepared and if you are not, if you don't have the appropriate documentation for your emotional support animal, right. then that's why is that my problem? It's not my problem.
0: problem. Yeah. I'm moving on. Right. It's not my sue problem. me now, and, and then I'll sue with, you in, for telling me a lie.
1: <laughs> well, and so talking with one of my instructors that that teaches a lot of fair housing her response was, and, and we're playing devil's advocate here, going back and forth, was well, if this person has a mental disability or an emotional disability that prevents them from being capable of gathering this information and knowing what they're supposed to do to get the information, then a reasonable amount of time is what's indicated for that, so that you're still not violating or discriminating on them based, on the basis of the handicap. I think that might be a little bit, and to me, that's a little bit of a stretch. So yes, there are, there's adequate documentation and inadequate documentation. So if you're working with somebody with an emotional support animal, do your freaking homework and make sure you know what you're doing. Yeah. Unfortunately, this, this, um, particular prospective tenants agent was literally two months out of licensing. And had no idea what they were doing when it came to documentation for an emotional support animal.
0: The other thing that can happen too is um, like medical marijuana usage, right? So like you don't allow, you're in a state where marijuana is illegal, but they, you have a prospective tenant that by law is like they or like have to use it. Right. So then in that same, that happened to me before. And I'm like, Oh my God, this is a can of worms. Now right. you can still say that you're not allowed to smoke it in the property. Right. You can do it outside or whatever. Yeah. Right. you can do But it, outside, right? it still smells. Do you know what I mean? It like- does. It does. I've had
1: a buyer that looked at a property and walked out the door and said, Nope, not doing it. Cause the guy on the front porch next door is going to be smoking that all day long.
0: Yeah. So it happens, but you know, for right. us, we just—I did ask for proper documentation. I also didn't have a bunch of other people that wanted to move in, so it was like, I mean, right. the documentation <laughs> right. looks good to me.
1: <laughs> right, right,
0: right. You know, so yeah, there's,
1: there's just you need to know if you're going to work with somebody with an emotional support animal, or if you're going to be listing a property and for rent, know that that's going to come up. I mean, so what happened? So what happened on this particular scenario was the landlord continued to insist that they wanted to find a way to to to, to get rid of the applicant number one, despite applicant number one asking to pay more, providing every piece of documentation. Uh, Prospective tenant one volunteered to leave the animal at a relative's until the appropriate documentation came in. Oh, that's they were fair. they were. Absolutely. I mean, they were they were running circles around everyone else trying to secure this. And there was just absolutely no way that the landlord could
0: Get bypass
1: on. them and go to yeah. another applicant without without being a violation.
0: But if they're that so, if they're going to be if they're demonstrating upfront what they're willing to do as a tenant in order to make everybody comfortable, I mean, mm-hmm. Yes, I down. there's no issue with that because right. how yeah that sounds great that is that is how they're going to behave the rest of the lease likely like that's the tenant that I want in my right. building now right. if an emotional support animal say it's a big dog and typically those dogs are better behaved assuming they are the correct type like they're you know what I mean like they have the right documentation and things like that if they then violate the lease with their noise that's a different topic. Right. You
1: still have to be, you're you're still responsible for the actions of your, let's say in this particular situation, a dog, because a cat's not really going to be loud. Um, but yeah, if you've got a dog, that's going to be an a hole every time it runs up and down the hallway, yeah. Then be prepared to get a letter, you know, from violating the lease from your building or your HOA, whatever it might be, um, noise, uh, any damage that that animal does in the unit when the, when the tenant moves out, that, that, tenant is still responsible monetarily for every piece of damage that animal does so the landlord cannot ask for an additional security deposit or pet rent or anything like that when they move in but know uh, that that animal on the way out it, it does right. any damage you're paying for
0: that so, so in this case so this feels... part- so
1: this particular agent had to cut the cut the landlord loose said i'm sorry you're asking to. me to you're you're asking me to violate federal fair housing laws which can cause me to lose my license or come up with a, I think the initial uh, first time offender fine is $16,000 and it goes, I mean, that's the first timer. So yeah, at that point, the landlord said, or the, the agent said, I'm, I'm, it's not I'm canceling worth it. The listing.
0: I'm sorry. I'm it's sorry. Not worth it, no. Money does not discriminate. Like, and you're talking about a rental. I if mean, you're so- a landlord, then you're concerned about return on investment. Right. But maybe, I mean, I can see with an animal, it's a little different, but again, if the animal violates the lease, that's not the same thing. Right. Oh yeah. That was a good one, Rachel. So we'll, we'll share, and I'll send to you a couple of, uh,
1: documents. That's the federal fair housing okay, uh, HUD memo as it relates to emotional support animals.
0: Oh, good. Talks
1: about the questions you can ask. Talks about the difference between a service animal and an emotional support animal, which is a huge difference service animal would be like the yellow Labrador that helps the person in the wheelchair. Yeah. Or the, you know, the seeing eye dog, they have a specific task for a specific person. Okay. Uh, emotional support animals. I could go get, go to my doctor, tell the, you know, to have them diagnose me as, as dealing with depression and have a letter for my two jokers over here yeah. and then go move into anything that I wanted to. Um, I'm going to argue that every single person that has a dog they're an emotional support animal. I mean, seriously, if you took my dog away tomorrow, I'm probably going to be pretty darn upset about it, exactly. <laughs> you know, but you still have, you're still responsible for those animals. So the I don't emotional know. Support I feel like has no training.
0: I feel like my dad is the emotional support animal for his dog. Not the other way around. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the other way around. I might, I might, I might be in agreement with him with far, as far as my older dog goes. Yeah, It's so yes, entirely
0: possible. <laughs> send those to us. And then what I'll do is I'll yes. put them in the vault. So you would go to jennifermertland.com slash vault to find that. Yes. Um, that was a good one, Rachel. Thank you. And if people Absolutely. have questions for you, they have a referral for you in Chicago. What's the best way?
1: Best way to reach me is my cell phone at 630-542-8688. Or via email at real at dealwithreal.com. Thanks, Rachel. See ya. You bet. Have a good one.